everyone. Welcome back to Thrive X Drive Musician Podcast. And today will be a little different. We will not talk too much about the music, but more of my own story. And today is also Rare Disease Day, so it's time to look back at the last two and a half years, and using this opportunity to tell my story, where I have been, how far I have come, and when now. So, for anyone new to this podcast, I am a violinist and a DMA student. I started this podcast to talk about mental health and self-discovery as a musician. When my health, especially my physical health, deteriorated in the fall of 2020, finding the medical diagnosis became my mission. At the time, I was thrown into this unfamiliar world of the medical field. I became my own patient advocate. And I worked even harder than preparing my qualifying exams. I spent days and nights researching, documenting, going to appointments, and having endless testings. So, due to these health issues I was experiencing, I stopped making podcasts two and a half years ago. And not only the podcast, but also my academic work was put on hold. From that blonde Amy. To back in my dark hair again, and in a wheelchair with limited movement in my arms and hands, I'm just as curious as you guys. Like, how did she get here? Of course, now I know that I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and not surprisingly, thanks to the EDS, I have my POTS, my cell activation syndrome, gastroparesis, tethered spinal cord, mouse. And other common EDS comorbidities that aren't so common in the general populations. Wait, wait, wait. So, all these acronyms, all these comorbidities, I can't even remember how many general physicians would say you're so young to have so many health issues. But then here I am. Not only the comorbidities. Spine complications making me from a standing, walking, jumping person to using power wheelchair, having nearly no movement from shoulder down. So let's rewind to the end of 2020, when everyone is blaming long haul COVID for my symptoms, when I haven't had COVID yet, when I still like to believe mental issues as the default and only answer. To all those hard to comprehend symptoms, I had a bit stressful time in the beginning of September 2020. At the time, I did not know I have EDS or POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. So, as a self-help fanatic, I decided to try the flow tank, also called deprivation tank. They use magnesium salt. To let your body flow in the water, the magnesium is supposed to help with muscle pain and cramp. Besides, the beginning was a bit painful in my neck area. It was a very calm, serene experience. But not till I came out of the tank, I felt so unstable in my neck, as if without holding onto my head, my neck would be like a wet noodle falling into all directions. I know it was unusual, and all the chronic issues flared up after. 
but I did not share it with my doctor initially. Because why would I think that my non-epileptic seizures have to do with a float tank experience, or my POTS, or later paralysis in the legs? I have to confess that many times I hesitant to tell the doctor certain things because I don't want to sound like I lost my insanity or I'm a hypochondriac. Because of my medical PTSD from previous mental health services, I was feeling hopeless in the beginning. After my float tank and a week-long unstable neck experience, I started having sudden drop attacks. Well, palpitations certainly felt like I was having an anxiety attack, except out of no reason or triggers, while I was just standing, having a normal conversation on the phone. Being told for the last eight years that I was just anxious if I was having GI issues, eating problems, or I was just depressed. If I always feel tired, fatigued, or if my adrenaline kicked in and I felt more energetic, well, be careful, maybe I am manic or hypomanic. So anything I was experiencing that I describe as weird must be a mental illness. I initially felt like all the good work I've done and all the meditations means nothing. I basically went back to square one. Although I started seeking out for alternative medicine, they did not work out for me and things really just got weirder from there. A month later, in November, I had a prolonged fainting spell and that my husband had to drive me to the ER. Of course, I did not know by the time it was the mast cell and parts flare up. No one in the ER took precaution to protect my neck. I was fainting in the ER wheelchair with a hyperextended neck for two hours in the waiting room. I was having extreme pain each time I woke up from my syncope. So instantly, I started developing the ER physician called abnormal movement or pseudo-seizure, aka it's psychosomatic. They gave me some itching medicine, also for anti-anxiety pill, and sent me home. My life after the ER visit was average of three ambulance trips a month because of this mysterious seizure. So many testings came out negative. Even now I go to my local university hospital, this is still the end of their comments. You are a mystery. We really don't know what's going on with you. Some of them still use psychosomatic word to cover all my broad spectrum symptoms. I was just as lost as the doctors. I was almost convinced as maybe things really are just in my head again. As I start accepting the non-epileptic seizures and I start researching on internet and YouTube about what is it and how other people experience it. One video after another from POTS, non-epileptic seizures, led to a girl talking about Alice Down syndrome. It was overwhelming 
not because I don't know about this genetic condition. It was because so many symptoms have been manifested years ago in my life. This is the first time I was so excited to know that I am actually hypermobile. I had a Baden score of nine out of nine. I videotaped my stretching ability. I finally have a better understanding of how the syncope is related to my pulse. I might have gone a little obsessed with my heart rate, but the heart rate under the influence of pulse and mast cell activation syndrome is much more wild when I eat something wrong or do something too much. I had a very understanding osteopathic doctor. Who introduced me to a geneticist immediately after our visit and discussion about hypermobility? When I was told getting a diagnosis of an EDS, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, or HSD, hypermobility spectrum disorder, is about ten to twelve years. For some, it can take decades. I thought, well, I was lucky. It only took me two months to get my diagnosis of EDS. But the first sixteen years of my life, when I started to have symptoms, I did not know EDS. And these sixteen years, I wasn't diagnosed. So after all, I'm quite happy about finding out my EDS diagnosis. It gives me an understanding of why and how the faulty collagen produced to build all the connective tissues, including skin, joints, blood vessels. And dura for the spinal fluid can be affected. I repeatedly had two CSF leaks, three months apart, with horrible positional headaches and vestibular dysfunction. I didn't even get any lumbar punctures. It was spontaneous, as EDS dura is quite delicate and not strong enough. I don't think my medical journey has been all negative. There are several amazing doctors that helped me step by step finding out my diagnosis of my eating issues. Mouse stands for Median Arcuate Ligament Syndrome. My decade-long on and off eating problem turned out to be those irritated nerves caused by hypertrophic median arcuate ligament. Not only does the ligament irritated those nerves. Pressed onto the arteries and disrupted the blood flow, but most importantly, it was making my eating so painful. Even the day before my surgery, I still asked the same question: What if the surgeon opened up, realized that I don't have those inflamed nerves? I was too used to doubt myself and believe those physical symptoms are just in my head. But as soon as I was asked to push into my upper abdomen, a sudden rush of pain came up, the same as after I ate a small meal, and that was my first surgery. This is also the first time I felt validated when I saw the procedure notes says all the visible nerves are inflamed, and remembering several of the vascular surgeons kept telling me I do not have mouse. At that moment, I felt proud and grateful, grateful for my care team and the entire chronic illness community. At the time of the surgery, which was last May, 
I was already a C4 incomplete quadriplegic. So in my case, the year of my official diagnosis is also the year I became paralyzed and continued to progress upward. And story repeats, negative tests, negative imaging. As I just said, a diagnosis does not solve anything. It helped with my symptom management and maybe sometimes giving me a voice in the doctor's office. When I say sometimes, because 9 out of 10 times, I will find doctors seemingly listening and end our visit without answers, but an instruction of keep monitoring and follow up in six months, like that. Stepwise, from a hip pain, right side weakness, I became quadriplegic with nearly no active movement from shoulder down. But if you ask me, are you still a violinist? Do you still play? The answer is yes. I never stopped playing from the very beginning of my paralysis. I continued teaching, performing, even more frequent. Because if you don't know what will happen tomorrow, why wouldn't you do things that you are most passionate about? Of course, this is not the end of my medical journey. I am about to go on my second surgical adventure for releasing my tethered spinal cord. It is literally less than 14 days. I'm certainly excited for the surgery and the outcome, at least if I can hold the progression. Going back to the topic of today's rare disease day, although zebras are rare, we do exist. Just like my tethered cord neurosurgeon said, I only saw two girls before you that had sudden paralysis and a lot younger than you. But of course, I'm not saying that it won't happen to people who are adults. So keep an open mind and please listen to us, would be my wish to all the health providers. Let's continue our conversation about my medical journey in my next solo episode, where we will focus on talking about my paralysis and how I manage my energy now. And of course, this podcast is still about our musician's life. However, we will bring more guests who are musicians with disabilities. I want to bring awareness to the music community to see this minority group of equally talented people, what issues we have encountered in terms of accessibility, inclusivity, and how we manage our disability as each individual to accommodate our music career. I'm excited about this new season. I hope you are too. Before I end this episode, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to my story. If you do, please like, share, and download this episode. I'll see you next time. Bye.